0: And welcome back to Talking Talmud. I'm Ann Gordon, here with my friend and Chavruta, your Dana Ozband, our daff of the Day, Masachah Yoma, Daf Nun Gimel, page 53. So among many interesting things on our daf, we have a discussion, and it's come up in the past, of the, the um, service of the sons of Aharon, Nadav and Avihu, and what they did and why they did it, and and the fact is how they did it wrong, right? You'll recall that of an view are the sons who come to offer what the Torah tells us is an ish zara, a strange fire on the Mizbech, on the altar, and a fire comes down from Hashem and it eats them, it consumes them on the Mizbech. And the Gemara is, you know, Chazal throughout throughout, see for Chazal, all the literature of Chazal, they're very concerned over what has happened. You know, why, why did this happen? What um, what punishment could they possibly, you know, have deserved to de- that this should be the punishment? I mean, what what activity did they do that was so wrong that they were, you know, now going to die on the mi'ezbach? So it happens to be that there are many times that there is uh, mention of you know death with regard to the service of a kohen. If it is done, there are many different aspects of the avoda that if it is not done correctly. Then there's a, a death sentence incurred, and Chazal go through. They have twenty two different reasons why it is that none of any of you, you know, were deserving of a death sentence. It's not the only interpretation. We've talked about this before on the podcast. That there's also an interpretation that says really they were that they were so pristine and so pure and working so hard in their avodah Hashem that God did not. You know, needed needed them with him basically. So that's a positive approach, but the predominant approach very much. And there's a lot of reasons why. Um, is that they um had sinned, and of course the the easy reason why this would happen is that they die in a fire on the Miseberg. That seems to be a pretty clear indication that something has gone wrong, as opposed to saying nobody Hashem wanted them with him so much. Like it's it's um on in human terms. It's too distressing to think that there's something positive going on here. So our Gemara here, uh, towards the bottom, not really the bottom, towards the bottom of Ahmed Aleph, talks about this, exactly this, the idea of the deaths of Nadav and Avihu. And among those many different um, sins that are laid at the feet of Nadav and Avihu, again, that the idea is that they had done something that was Worthy of death, and that is why they de- die in this conflagration before everybody. One of the reasons is presented here on our daf. Mer Bnei Aharon Ella Al Alakha Moshe Rabban. They were the well, What is it that they did wrong? Rebbe says that that they died because they taught a halacha before Moshe, their teacher. Meaning, the idea is that you know somebody comes and says, "What's the halacha?" And the idea is that the the person who is greater in knowledge, in this case Moshe Rabbeinu, is supposed to be the one to answer, not the student sitting there, or in this case the sons of Aaron sitting there, you know, as if they come forward to to give the answer. When Moshe's right there, it's a little bit it's considered a little bit of a of a chutzpah, a little bit of a, a disparagement to the person who's supposed to know more. They should wait, they should ask him him for his ruling, right? But in but they didn't do so now in this case it's a matter of by virtue of what they do right they come forward and they bring this Torah on strange fire when moshe is right there as opposed to saying so moshe what should we do now should we start with this right it's their actions are are action uh, i'm sorry are acting as their kalacha, uh, so to speak meaning again that they're they're doing it in the face of Moshe Rabbeinu, when he should have, they should have given. He should have given them direction. They came forward. They did it. they did this. They put their their fire on the mizbech on the altar. Now, this is a second thing, really. You know, did they, they bring this fire to the mizbech? Well, one second, there's fire coming from the heavens to consume the carbonote that are put on the mizbech, and so again, is it? Are they supposed to bring this? What they call the man-made fire, or are they going to, or should it have only been the fire of of the heavens? So, basically, then what this means is they are taking matters into their own hands, and in doing so, they are essentially quote passing halacha. They are determining what should be done when it's not their place. When really it was Moshe Rabbeinu's place to determine. Or to to instruct them what they should be doing. There's one version of why they, you know, why there's a death penalty, and the idea, you know, I hate to say this, but it's it's an embarrassing situation. If it's ever, you know, if you're ever in a setting where your teachers are there and somebody asks a question and you know the answer, and the idea is that you need to hold back your answer to give the to give the the person who is your teacher there the opportunity to answer first, and um, in the way we all conduct ourselves today, depending on, you know, how formal your setting is, it's very possible that you could be in a, you know, it it has happened to me in a more casual setting where I have to bite back, you know, and giving an answer or, you know, as just part of the conversation, because the other person should really be the one to give the answer. I don't think that nowadays we're really talking about a field mita. We're not really talking about a, a death sentence kind of situation. I mean, maybe we could talk about a, actual somebody coming to ask for Psa um, but the point here is that the Gemara here is trying to find one of the reasons or, uh, you know, identifying one of the reasons that Chazal give for why Nadav Enavidu, Nadav Enavidu, of mita. it is true that you only need one death sentence to be killed, but as I say, Chazal, we're very concerned um, to find it, and they dig, and they find many, many different possible things that none of any of you did wrong. It's very easy to find things for Kohain kohen to be to do wrong and be chayav And lastly, I will just say, Irdin, I want to hand this back to you. Um, one of the things we know about the way they would they would darshan, they would interpret the the chomish, the way they would um, explicate the verses of the text of the Torah was in Shabbos drasha, basically in shul, as it were. And they would traditionally take the first sentence of one of the parshiot, And you know, and this is part of the discussion exactly on this daf, the staff, the, there's a parsha called the, the we call Akhremot, right? Which begins, Mot b'nei Shnei b'nei Aharon. So that was ripe fodder for darshing to figure out why did they die? And that's one of the sources that we have for many different interpretations. To add to it, that parsha is read on Yom Kippur. So again, you want to find, you know, what could possibly have caused the death of and Venavio, there's reason for a lot of the discussion. So
1: you, how they get to this price and how it appears on the page is interesting, but that the sin is really around sort of not uh, going to Moshe as their teacher is a really different fate than I think how we usually think of this, right? We're usually taught, or the narrative is that they brought something czar, something foreign into the Beit Dash. And really becomes an issue of Missora at this point, right? Like how is halacha learned and who do you learn it from? And they went outside and didn't use the appropriate channels. And that really seems to be what they're in trouble for here.
0: Yes, I think so. And, you know, if you continue on the the dump, there's a discussion of like, what are, what is the proper protocol? And it it does feel foreign and it feels honestly extreme.
1: Right. It does feel very extreme, but. I think that's the point of the brisah to really sort of emphasize, like whether it's true or not. The point of the mission, the is to emphasize how important it was that he, uh, that Moshe, maintains himself as the halachic authority. And maybe part of what it's contrasting there is, yes, you, there's going to be the Kohanim, and you, Nadav and Aviyah were part of the Kohanim, but that does not give you the halachic authority, and those things really always stay quite separate.
0: Oh, that's an interesting point. I think that's important. I think it's also we should note that this is the sages interpreting the biblical text. It's not that Moshe Rabbeinu comes and says, oh, my goodness, you defied my authority. Like nothing like that. Right. This is simply the Chazal are interpreting the actions and describe and and thereby characterizing them as disrespectful or however you want to characterize it.
1: But I, I, I think that that's also true. Um, I'm going to move on to a couple of other things. Some of this I'm really just going to talk about um, out of the dab because I thought there was so much to talk about in the dab. I'm not even getting into the walking backward thing. But as I mentioned yesterday, you know, it said that the Kohen Gadol does a very short prayer. And so, you know, it says on this dab what he prayed, right? Ma Mitzaleh, right? What does he pray? Ravah Baravadah, Ravada. So, all these rabbis say in the name of Rev. And this is all it is. You hear it's that the year should be rainy and it should be hot. Okay. Now, <laughs> it seems so odd. I go back to that beautiful Gemara in Brachos, right? What I'm um, a Elisha, uh, uh, you know, I'm not quoting correctly, right? That famous Avram Fried song of Tanya, right? Where he says, you know, Amarti Lo Yichiratam Afanachet Shiyich the Surachamech Al Kascha, like that he da- the, that the Kohen Davin said Hashem's anger should be suppressed by his Rachni. That seems like an appropriate prayer for Yom Kippur. This seems like a little ad that this is what you prayed for on Yom Kippur. And then the Gemara goes on and says, Ella Emaim Shchunat. Sorry, Shchunat Mitlutachi. Right? Is it an advantage that the year should be hot? Like, why would the Kohen Gadol even pray for this? Maybe the Kohen Gaddel should really say hot, that the year should be hot, that if it's hot, it should also be rainy. So then they go on and say, Rav mm-hmm. Acha, the son of Rava, says that the rest of this prayer was, right? Right, Whoever, exercise, whoever has rulership should not pass from the house of Yehuda you, And your children of Israel shouldn't require that they need sustenance from each other, right? I guess that they shouldn't need charity. And maybe the prayer of the wayfarers to withhold rain, right? That people who are traveling are not going to want rain that you, they shouldn't be listened to. So it's interesting to me that like, these are totally not things that I would think that would be prayed for. Um, and this is kind of what the prayer is and kind of was like a letdown a little bit, right? Like it doesn't seem as dramatic as what you think it should be on Yom Kippur. And then the Gemara gets into a few stories about Hanina ben, Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa. I'm not going to read them inside, but basically Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa, who we see throughout the Gemara, and we talked about him in brachos, um, you know, is sort of this miracle worker, right? And this is one of these things. So he is, just to go through, he's a student of Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai, um, and he, um, you know, this is like a typical Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa story, right? The, the first story that we had about him in brachos was when he went to visit Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai, Um, sorry, when the son of Rabbi Yochanan Ben Zakkai was sick and they wanted Re- Rabbi Hanina Ben Dosa to daven for him, right? Um, so that was the first one. Um, and then also that he davened for the son of Rabbi Gamliel II. So he's known for his prayers, And so we see this again also that he's known for his prayers and that he had the ability to basically reverse that there wouldn't be any rain. um, And then he sort of goes back once he's done traveling. Then he says this time, okay, you can start the rain again and the rain starts again. So just to point out sort of a who's who, this is a very typical Hanina Bendosa story. Um, Anything you want to add to that, Anne, before I move on to the Mishnah?
0: No, I just love Rabbi Hanina Bendosa stories. So these are good stories, right?
1: So then we get to a really interesting Mishnah, which again, for the sake of time, I'm just not going to read it inside. But, you know, yesterday we had that question about the Mishnah, right? So the Mishnah here talks about basically um, how, what happened, right? Mishnah Nital Aram, from when the Aaron was taken away. And it's bizarre that this Mishnah appears here because yesterday we had a whole discussion about, um, well, was that Mishnah about how he did the Keturit in the Kodesh Kadoshim, the Kohen Gadol, was that before or after was that by Rishon or by Cheney? It's so obvious that this Mishnah is by Cheney. So why wouldn't we assume that that Mishnah was by Rishon? Um, so that piece I'm totally puzzled by. Um, and then the other thing that's interesting here is that if you read um, in the Gemara itself, it gives a totally different narrative about what happened to the Aaron, Right on our previous stop, the narrative was that the Aaron was buried by Yoshiahu Amelch, and here. The narrative is, is that actually, no, it actually was either, well, there's two, you know, Dress showed here, but one, two explanations here, but one of the explanations here is that it actually was taken out to bubble. The other one is that it was buried, right? But we see a totally different approach to what it was. So I, I'm sort of puzzled by this stuff because, you know, I think we tend to try to read, or at least you, and you and I try to think of it a little bit as sort of like a literary text or people were aware of what came before or what came after in the Gemara. This daf totally disproves that. It's almost like the question that was asked on that previous mishnah. It's like they didn't even know that this mishnah existed. And it's and the Gemara, like, oh, comes-
0: I would say the opposite. Okay. I would say, you know, so clearly once they've put the they've put the um, the burial opinion on that daf, they can't leave it. They have to put the contrast there so that you know, lest you think that there isn't another opinion. Meaning, this isn't a machloket, right? It's not people in conversation opining you know in different ways it is a whole story in one direction and a whole story in another direction and of course you know we would say i don't understand like check the historical record they must be able to find out what really happened but they don't they just have these different opinions they the different approaches which are presented independently each is valid because i believe that that's what that's what there was. Like when Chazal putting together the Gemara, meaning Shas as we know it, they have these different portions of of content. And I think that they, you know, very intentionally put it next to each other in contrast.
1: Right. I, OK, I, I'm willing to accept that also. I, I think, you know what? How about we end it like this? The same okay, cool. way that there are two different versions of what happened to the Iron you and I may have two different understandings about the organization here. About. <laughs> How's that? Well, that's our DAP discussion for the day. Rank is review us on all major podcasts. Thank you to Rebani, Michelle Farber for hosting us on the Hadron website. Let us know what you thought about this DAP on our Talking Tom Facebook page. And until tomorrow, go and learn. <laughs>